Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, episode number 122 on this fine Tuesday evening. Few technical difficulties, but as we do do so well, we've worked right through them. We figured out what it was, and we have moved on, and we have moved forward. Luckily enough, uh, the second that Steven hit a certain button, I was like, "Ooh, that sound sounds really familiar." Where have I heard that before? And I remember Liam playing with different buttons um, there in the house, and it was one of those buttons. And there's two buttons to have on. We had one on, and not the other. So it was a little awkward, but we figured it out. Um, so for those of you who do not know, I am Brian Pierce. I am your host of this fantastic show, Seat Time. Yes, I do have uh, one of our limited edition tank tops on. No, I am not a model, and I am not going to try to sell you on it by how sexy I look. But I am very grateful for the people that did purchase uh, one of the 30 that we did sell the past couple weeks. Um, if for some reason you're wondering why you're getting a reshipment of them, uh, there were little bits of it that I wasn't uh, happy with, uh, with the printing. And I reached out to Teespring and they said, okay, cool, well, let's fix it and we'll do a reprint. So that would be why you might be getting uh, other versions of, or not other versions, just another uh, number of whatever it was that you had ordered. So give it to your friends, give it to your mom. It could be saved for a birthday present or maybe for a Christmas present, or you just like feel like sewing them together and having a really big ass tank top. There you go. There you have it. So this is seat time, the online show for the off-road enthusiast. We are the beer drinking bench racing show that makes sure to have as much fun as possible and focus on all the shenanigans that happen in the off-road world of dirt bike racing, riding, and, uh, yes, that world. Uh, and so, we have some really cool guests tonight. We were going to have Trevor Bollinger on first, but for whatever reason, he stopped reaching out to me. So Nick Burson, like the fantastic person he is, is going to jump on first, and we're going to have a fantastic show tonight. Nick, did you have any idea that Maria Forsberg was present, pregnant and that they just announced that they're like having a baby? No, I had no idea. Yeah. I literally, you know, it's always good to scour Facebook for, for information on different people and what's going on in the world of dirt bikes. And that's what I saw. Now, the question is, they're quirky people. Do you think that they maybe possibly just stole somebody else's uh, sonogram picture and it's an April Fool's joke? I, uh, I guess, yeah, with today, you, you could you never know. Yeah. And uh, another thing about this day, is it actually your birthday? Me? Yeah. No. No? No. Man, when is your birthday? Uh, June. June. So then it would be the last time that we spoke was in June because it said underneath your name that today was your birthday when we were in Skype. So I can only imagine then that the last time we talked that that was the the deal. Yeah, I, I think it was around then. We'll go but, with that. We'll go with yeah. that. Well, it's been too long then. That's That's got at least seven, eight months. Too long. Too long. So, um... Just fill us in. What have you been up to? How's uh, how's the year been treating you? Uh, it's been going really good. Uh, super busy. Just I've been doing all the local District 37 racing and then plus the National Heron Hounds. So we've had three rounds so far. And I've been fortunate enough to win the last two. And then the next next weekend we have another national. We have four nationals in the next two months. Woo! So That's a lot of all, racing. Yeah, it's all going to be real busy here 
yes. real soon. Yes. Um, yeah, I could say so. So you you've you've done well in the past. In 2013, you were third overall for the National uh, Heron Hounds. Um, but 2014, you've got a couple more. You got more wins under your belt this year than you've had in the past in a season. Um, what is it about this year that you think that your consistency is starting to, to come into play there? Um, I think it's just being on the same team and same bike. You know, last year we switched to beta. It was the same team, but we switched bikes. And then this year, we everything kept the same. So it was nice to go in. It's been the first year I've stayed on the same brand in a while. So to have some consistency with the bike, with the team, we're, you know, we're growing as a team, getting a lot better. And just finally putting everything together. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the beta because we've seen, um, you know, Corey Buttrick is on a beta this year racing uh, the National Enduros. We'll be doing a select few GNCC rounds. Cody Webb, obviously, and uh, Max Gersten have been doing a really great job in the Enduro Cross Series on the betas. You you were riding the beta last year, and we got a chance to talk to you a little bit about that. But were there any big changes that you all made um, to the bike, or, or maybe even to other parts of your program during the off season, or kind of in you know coming into some of these races for 2014? Um, not too much. I mean, we learned a lot last year with the bike, and we just, it, like I said, we rolled everything over into going into January this year, and we just you know a couple things that we liked to change on the bikes for us. That we did, but other than that, it's almost the same bike as last year, which I believe that really helped me. Just I, I just like to be comfortable on the bike. So as long as I can be comfortable on the bike, then I'm usually can be up front. Yeah. Um yeah, the the Heron Hounds, the the bomb run is is obviously extremely important. So that it seems like the idea is to make sure you're out in front so that way you're not scoured by people's dust and, and possibly other debris things of you know of that nature flying around uh how have you done in this this year so far in, in the with the starts at the national hare and hound um good uh the two races i won i led off the start so that had a big help in winning those two races i would think i was second at the first round and i ended up third there um mainly i mean for us out-of-state races are out of california and right. <laughs> we have a handful of those, and those seem to be a lot more important for starts. Uh, it's a lot more single track kind of or quad width trails. Where out here we have you can get off the trail and get out of the dust, so it's not as important out in California to have a good start. I mean, you yeah. always want to, but the out of state ones for us it's really important because it's usually real silty, dusty, and there's just nowhere to pass. I mean, you can see it from the last round of how people started kind of where they finished right um with you know you were talking about some of the out-of-town races we just got done with idaho where you had picked up another win um it looked like there were a lot of guys out there that I, that don't typically make it out to a lot of races anymore i saw like david camo was out there uh colt Noodall, and even jimmy jarrett had a chance to come out and do his first national hare and hound uh, did you get a chance to talk with those guys to see kind of you know how they've been and what they've been up to, and and then of uh, course with Jimmy Jarrett, his first his uh, first experience. Well, I think Jimmy raced a few of them. I don't. I think in 2012, he came out and did some, and then but Camo, yeah, I talked to him often. I think he's just getting done 
are healed up from his shoulder surgery. Okay. And then that's his hometown race for him. Yeah, that's super close to where he lives. Yeah, but yeah. I think he's living at, he lives out in California now. Oh, okay. So, but he had to fly up there for his hometown race, which is kind of funny. But um, the club did an awesome job. They actually, we actually had purse money for the first time in a while, which <laughs> most of our races is only, you know, it's just bonuses, whatever you work out in your own deals to make money. So this race had a, I think it was $3,500 purse and $500 to catch the hair, which is the guy that takes off a couple minutes before we all start, and he's usually a club member. Right. So I think a lot of those guys saw an opportunity to try and make some money, so which always brings competition out. That's the dumb question then. Now that you've actually mentioned it, it's funny enough throughout all the years that we've been doing this, you know, talking and trying to learn about the National Hare and Hounds, um, having not ever raced one, so haven't really ever had a chance to learn the rules. Tell us a little bit more about the hare and, and the, the concept of trying to catch that hare. And you're talking about there's actually some purse money this time for the first rider to catch it, or in yeah, this case, him. <laughs> a lot of the local District 37, if they put on a hare and hound, they send out – usually it's a person who's in the club, kind of a fast club member, and they usually take off about it, – de- it depends kind of on their speed, two to five minutes ahead. Right, and then it's usually just kind of a joke. They're always like the guy was dressed up in the bunny suit, <laughs> and nice. uh, then it's just always they used to do it every time they had a hair, they'd put up money. So it's kind of like to chase you know chase the rabbit to catch the money, and they don't usually do that too much too often anymore. Sometimes some clubs will do it, uh, but yeah, they put up five hundred bucks. That's to pretty catch awesome. The hair at the start. yeah. So, uh, so I mean. It, it it sounds like getting money at a hare and hound is you know like you said it hasn't really happened in a while. Do you know what this club did different to try to to be able to pull that in? Um, I believe they've done it in the past too. They, I don't think as much. I mean, this I know they paid the top ten this year, which I don't know if they just did it out of their own pocket or if they had sponsors. Um, they didn't say, but I know it helps us as racers getting to and from the races. You know, any any little bit helps us, and when we see the money up there, it is always nice to hit those races. <laughs> Absolutely. So that actually kind of makes me wonder, what is it? How does your program work then? How does a a rider like yourself, who's who, you know, you have a kind of you have a team, you have people backing you, little things like that. Where is it that you make the majority of of your earnings or your money to live off of as a racer? Um, a lot of it. I mean, with racing part is bonuses from Pervines Racing. Uh, our the owner of our team right. gives us bonus. You know, we have contract beginning of the year when we talk, and it's pretty much from him because all our races don't have purse money like that. But other than that, just I mean, all of our team, my my teammate Justin Morrow, we're working full time too, most weeks. So right. that's where most of the income comes from. Yeah, now that's what I, that's what I thought I remembered from the last time that we chatted was that you know you were you were kind of like I have to make it home from work at this time and then we could do the show and stuff like that. So what is it that you do full time? Uh, well, I guess as full time as you can while you're not traveling to races and racing. Um, I just do construction, uh, kind of for myself or for friends who own businesses. So you're kind of just like so. a general contractor. You can kind of like yeah, jump in and just, pick up a little bit of work here and there try to do whatever I can for work and race and ride. So what's the coolest thing about building a house? 
Um, I don't know. I'm usually the guy doing the tile. I did that a lot. So yeah, like uh, like at the kitchen floor, bathroom floor, or maybe yeah. on the walls, or yeah, we pretty much done everything: showers, floors. All right, all that. It's, it's not very fun though, so I won't say that's the funnest. <laughs> right. Uh, number one, do-it-yourself tip then for people who are who who uh, have tiled or plan on tiling. Uh, make sure it's level before you start. All right, I like it. That's a good one, I think. Yeah. Strangely enough, I've done a lot of tile work somehow. Um, yeah, and it I, seems to happen. Yeah, like uh, owning this. I'm in my second house now, and the first house was, uh, I don't know, 40-something years old. I just felt like, you know, the people that did, had done a lot of work beforehand just wasn't really that good at work. And, you know, me being, having the, I like big projects bug, just got <laughs> in there and started tearing crap up and going to town on it. So yeah, uh, I've learned a lot of bad lessons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, so you have also tried to take advantage of the West Check Enduro series. Um, I, this is a series that I know of, but again, I don't really know much about this series. And I did hear though that you could have possibly burned a couple checks. Uh-huh. Yeah, this mm-hmm. weekend mm-hmm. I've been doing. I don't. I want to try to follow that whole series, but I don't think I'll be able to. I do the District Thirty Seven Desert series, which includes a lot of the West Check. And this was this past weekend was a timekeeper enduro, and it's the first time I ever did it by myself. Most the other last year I rode one with the computer, and but I rode with someone else that kind of helped me. That done it a lot. So this year I just went out and tried to do it my own. I did the first loop perfect, and then yeah, I burned two checks on the second loop. Just mistake. I I mean I guess you just gotta learn how to do those yeah well were were you riding possibles or was it a total like just brain fart and you forgot to you know kind of cut back um, on your yeah, speed it was the little. first time really yeah with my the, I, I was using the ico computer uh-huh. and it's the first time i've really kind of messed with it on my own and i just i they, i think i was like 10 seconds early to both of them, and I just was off a little bit. I think maybe with my mileage, or because the computer said it was good to go, but right, yeah, I man, that's tough. A little more tricks with it. Were you, and, and were you running the more up to date ICO, the one with a little bit wider screen? Yeah, I just got it last year, so okay, it's it's the one that's supposed to tell me everything to do, but I I still messed it up somehow. Yeah, that's understandable. What about a, a route chart? Were you running a route chart at the same time so that you had all your possibles? Um, yeah. Okay, so you just you dropped the ball. Yeah, I think I got behind, <laughs> and then they changed the speed changed right towards the end, Yep. and then I went ahead, and I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah, I have a... It's funny. I was having a conversation with uh, Zach Huberty and a couple other guys about timekeepers and stuff like that. Because, you know, we just got done with the National Enduro here in Texas. Tons of fun, amazing event. I really enjoy the National Enduro series now, um, the way that they've kind of gone to the, you know, the restart format. But having grown up with my father in the Sarah Circuit in Louisiana and Mississippi and all that stuff, you know, that, those were all timekeepers. And I grew up knowing Kerry McEnroth, who grew up in the, you know, he's from the Sarah Circuit. And the creator of the ICO uh, or owner of ICO Racing, um, so I've seen a lot of prototypes and all that stuff come through the years. So it's interesting how we've kind of gotten away from it. But man, like, it's fun in its own right. But it you could really tell that the the sport itself just wasn't 
growing. It was dwindling quite easily with timekeepers because there's just so much to learn. Um, it's fun. It's different. But when the, the racer mentality of typical, and especially with younger kids, is to just go out and ride fast, it's really hard to try to tell them to slow down and learn something. It's not all about 36 miles an hour. Sometimes it's about 18 and 15 miles an hour. So yeah, they're they're really different. I I kind of like them. Um, I mean, there's almost there's not enough of them, like you said, anymore to really get into it. Is I mean, that's a, pretty much the first one I've done. But yeah. it's really interesting. So the the West Czech Enduro Series, then all of those are timekeepers. Uh, I only think two. Okay, so it's not a it's not a series specific thing. It it, it could still be a club specific. Yeah. Huh, I know decision. we only have two in District 37 now <laughs> that are actual timekeepers because the first round of West Check that I went to was a qualifier format. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so. and I like the qualifier format too. Um, when you guys do the qualifier format type enduros, are those typically like two-day events as well? Or are they just one-day uh, events with the same kind of I, format? It's Yeah, just based on the club. Okay. I believe the first one was just one day. Okay. I don't think I I haven't done a two day one yet. Those are fun. If you um, so you just rode you, you've before just going to Boise, you've ridden that National Hare and Hound before, correct? Yeah, the last few years. Okay. Um. Yeah. I've so talking with Brian Elliott, who you know is a Montana native who lived in Boise for a while and then kind of went back to uh to Montana. He told me that that's a really cool national hare and hound, just because you get so much different, um, so much different terrain because of the where you're at in, in a maybe like a, you know, down in a bed, a creek bed, uh, or river yeah. bed or something like that. But the um, the qualifier they have up there, the two day qualifier, the Idaho 100 or 200, however they call it, up there in Idaho City, is awesome. It is super super cool. Um, that's in May or June. We could check the internet and find yeah, out. Yeah, I sure. think it's uh, like June first. I think I'm planning on going up there for that this year. Yeah, um, trying to talk him into Idaho. So it sounds like Ryan Kudla is uh, probably trying to talk you into in, into heading up there. So yeah, I've been. I think I'm going to do that, and I might be trying to go to ISD this year on a on a club team or whatever I can get on. Yeah, for sure. That'd be super super cool. Um, has that been any kind of talk with you know Pervines Racing and, and maybe Beta with with what would happen if you were to qualify for the ISDE? Uh, yeah, me and Ron, who's the owner of Pervines Racing, have talked about it going into this year, and I think I'm going to go up there and qualify or see if I can qualify, and then I think we'll go from there. And he's he's interested in helping me go. So that would be really cool if we got a if you were over there on a Beta. Um, I'm trying to think if I saw a beta on any of the club riders in the past couple of years. I don't think so. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone from over yeah. here. Seeing, I, I don't... seeing Ryan Sipes on that Suzuki last year was weird enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Oh you don't gosh. see those in off-road too often. I know. Hey, that's a good question. You Have, have you qualified for or tried to go to the ISDE before? I haven't. Haven't? Okay, I, so this will be a first time for you. Yeah. I've been Very meaning cool. to go to up to Idaho City for a while, but it's kind of in our summer break with just starts then. So by the time it comes around, like we have the four nationals coming up, and it's like the following weekend after the like the four nationals and two-month stint. Right. So usually by then I kind of just 
take a couple weeks off, but I'm, I'm going to go up this year. Well, um, and do you ride a 300 two stroke or are you on a four stroke? Um, I don't know. I'm, that's still what we're, I think if I went to ISDE, I'd ride the 300. So the E3 but, class. Yeah. I'm going to ride E3 no matter what. I'll be on the, either the 498 or 300. Very cool. Oh, and, uh, and then Ryan Kula, who's always staying on top of me, just like Zach Huberty, good friends of ours. Um, is said that Justin Sode last year he was on a beta, so okay. you wouldn't be the first. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I was kind of like ah, torn, but yeah, I, I totally dropped the ball on that one. And uh, Sode, Sode's been doing good. He actually got a wreck in Texas. I heard he's better, but uh, he's trying to get ready for Tennessee this coming up was, weekend. So. Was the National Enduro far from you guys in Texas, or no? Um, it was a if you lollygag from my house about four hours. Um, okay. you know, and if you were just like going straight on there and, and, and hitting it up, you, you know, three and a half hours, you'd make it yeah. Which for us is pretty good. I'd say my closest race is probably Nacogdoches. Well, it used to be Munster, but the Red River Dirt Riders don't have a race there anymore. Okay. Um, yeah. And that was, you know, that's where like last man standing used to be. Yeah. I've been out there a few times. Okay. I come out, uh, one of my best friends lives in McKinney. Hey, am I your best friend? <laughs> Because I live in McKinney. Do you? Yeah. Who's your best friend? Uh, Dylan Murdoch. Holy shit. Yeah. I ride mountain bikes with Dylan Murdoch. Okay. Yeah, I was But out he there. used to live up there, didn't he? Like, uh, he used to live up north somewhere, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he, well, he went to school down here in California, and okay. then he's from Oregon. Oregon. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Because I remember him, now that you're saying this, I remember him and I having this discussion about, like, how strange it was for him and like the way he wound up in Texas and everything uh-huh. like that. Holy yeah, I crap. was out, I was out there in November riding with him and mountain biking. Man, well hell, so. I'm gonna have to go uh, mountain bike. Well, I, Dylan Murdoch is much faster than me on a mountain bike. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah, a, I'm an average. Well. I'm an average sport. You know, if you were to put me in a in a class, I'd be in the sport class, and he would easily be in the expert class. Yeah, and he's... for those of you who have never raced mountain bikes, even though it's only one class up. There is a huge amount of difference between being a sport rider and being an expert rider. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. So we're gonna, I'm going to have to text Dylan and be like, dude, so you know Nick was on the show, right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. and he said, I'm, I'm his best friend because I live in McKinney. And he's going to be like, what? This is ridiculous. Nobody likes this. Uh, it, by the way, uh, again, Ryan Kudla tells me that you should stay out of his class. So he doesn't, he doesn't want you beating him. Ah, uh, that's all the bikes I have. Either three hundred or four ninety eight. So yeah, figure it out, Ryan. <laughs> There's a better he chance can, of him finding another KTM, right? Get a two fifty barrel for it. There you go. Get to that E two class, the most competitive class out there. Yeah. So it'll be fun. Um, so talking a little bit about West Coast stuff, I wanted to see if you've paid attention to uh, some of the works racing that's been going on and it's okay if you haven't, I just, we haven't talked to very many people on the West coast this year so far. And I just trying to get a little bit more knowledge, uh, knowledge base for what's going on out there. Yeah, I've been, I usually kind of follow all, all the forms of racing pretty well. So, but yeah, I always look at the results and pretty good friends with Gary Sutherland and he's been killing it this year in the works. Yeah, that's exactly. I was like, Holy crap. I mean, we've always known that Gary's been a fast rider like that that he's always been fast on a dirt bike but it seems that consistency sometimes and bad luck has always really been you know something that's that's plagued him um and it seems like bad luck has not been a problem and consistency is certainly there 
And, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on in his life for a little bit. And it seems, you know, when we had him on the show and he was telling us about how everything's kind of straightening out, his family's really helping out. Um, and obviously now it seems that whatever it was that was kind of, you know, maybe allowing the up and down, it seems to have really uh, leveled out for him. Yeah, he's had, I know he's had some bad luck in like the West Hair Scramble series. Yes. But other than those, the works races, I mean, which are probably a little more grueling, you know, two hours on a short course that gets that rough and he's been having no problems. Yeah. It's been good. It's, I'm glad to see it. Absolutely. Well, what other uh, kind of stuff goes on in the West Coast that's good for, you know, those of us that are all over the country to know about? You know, are there other cool places to go ride or other events and series that, that we may not know about? Um, I mean, District 37 has the Big Six Grand Prix series. Right. Which, you know, draws a pretty good crowd. They have a like a West Coast Pro race on Saturday and they're including like the West Hair Scrambles mm-hmm. in like it's co sanctioned for like three of those rounds. And then all of Eric Kudla's stuff that he's been putting on his GXE series, you know, that's he's growing that. Um he's always putting on a race somewhere it seems like every other weekend so that's always good for us out here he's got to make uh he's got to make enough money to buy facial hair products to keep up the chops i think <laughs> yeah is the key. you gotta keep those going <laughs> uh, it happens to the best of us well cool man well uh i, I appreciate you being able to, to kind of jump on there last minute uh it, it seems we have gotten in touch with trevor and he's, he's uh you know he's he's rare he's ready to go on his end but uh, anything else for us? You got any? You got anything else for us? You tell Not me, really. Nick. Just, it's your show right now. It's your <laughs> oh yeah, just trying to uh, stay in the points lead. You know, for the Heron Hound Championships, that's the main goal this year with our for our team and for me. So I think the next two months will really tell. But the, I mean, we'll be seven rounds done in the next two months. So and then we only have three left uh, after summer break. Yeah, and that's crazy that they do it like that. Why is it that you guys have so many in the beginning of the year and so little in the back half? Is that just like how it works out for land and clubs and stuff? Yeah, I think the clubs have had their dates, and then I know everything has to be wrapped up by the beginning of October about for the AMA stuff. Okay. So, and then the summer's pretty hot out, you know, (laughs) in in the Lucerne Valley in the middle of the desert. So, I think they try to get as many in in the front or I'm not really sure. It'd be nice to kind of split it up, but then it's also nice to only have three left to worry about after summer. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. TSEC, our local enduro series here in Texas, we just did a year and a half series. So we started January of 2013 and it's going to end May of 2014 because the new series, because it's so hot here in Texas as well, we don't typically race in June, July and August. So September is actually going to be the start of what will be our new series, okay. and we'll go from September to May. Now um, will be our new series. Okay. Length. So it's, it'll be interesting. I don't they, I don't really understand it, but it's because of the fact they say that because the break in summer is so much longer than the break in winter. Because I, you know, it's it's okay for us to race when it's you know fucking freezing, but <laughs> not when it's 110. Yeah, the cold's worse for me. <laughs> so yeah, but I don't know. I don't I know. That's their idea anyway. They've talked about it out here a little bit. I think Eric's actually talked about it, but I think the hardest part with it is is like sponsorship. Yeah, that's where is, I'm like, and my dad's like, it sounds like a good idea because the new bikes are going to be coming out. But I was like, but everybody's going to be on their contract 
till the end of that race year. Yeah. Like even if 2015s are out in 2014, they're still on their 2014 contract for. Yeah, know. unless everyone changes, yeah. and you do contracts from those dates, then it'd be yeah. hard. I guess the only way that could really work is, yeah, because the, you know how you see typically like say like a uh, Roxon, if he really does go to RCH for 2015, you wouldn't really know that that happened. They wouldn't really say anything the second after, you know, motocross was over. Yeah. Um, but you know, it would kind of like be in this weird lull until you'd start to see him practice on it two or three months later in public. You know, where I think they would have to be like, okay, motocross is done. That's 2014. And then everybody's contracts would end right then and there. Yeah. And then that, if those two, you know, organizations did that, then I would, I would see a lot of other people, you know, making those. Yeah. I think that's changes. the only thing that's going to hold it up is because people, they bud the company's budget from, you know, January to December. Yeah. So it's hard for them to budget sponsorship dollars when, you got an extra half a year or yes weirdos i don't know well it sounds like yeah. we're trying to get too smart for our pay grade so yeah probably i don't know i don't know well i have to say i do enjoy your beard um i'm Thank glad you. to see some more facial hair on the show yeah um, it's been helping this year so i think i'll keep it yeah apparently man how's the how's the hair under that cap looking though it's good. It's a little shorter than last time. Oh, okay. Yeah, because last so, time it was a lot. You're like Jerry Curl up in that bitch. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was cut off, and it's growing back out, though. Good, good. Well, cool, man. We'll appreciate you being on the show. Keep up the good work, and uh, definitely just keep us uh, keep us abreast of all the stuff that goes on on the West Coast. Um, it's, good to, it's good to have a correspondent out there to keep all of us uh, enlightened on the racing and, and all the, the good times. Yeah, anytime. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, dude. Will you take it easy, and we'll talk soon. All right, see you. Later. All right, cool, man. It's it's good to talk with Nick Burson. He's such a down-to-earth dude, just like Gary Sutherland. A lot of dudes out there in the West, you know, they're just hard-working dudes. That's what I, that's that's what we like. Um, so we're gonna talk about fly racing. I didn't get a chance to in in the technical difficulties areas to talk about some of the people that do help out a lot with seat time, and some of those people. Uh, our fly racing huge huge supporters of seat time can't appreciate those guys enough of course um power sport graphics the guys over at ride pg so you can find them uh fly racing is flyracing.com power sport graphics ridepg.com and uh stillwell performance stillwellperformance.com um huge huge supporters of seat time obviously you can go to their websites go to their facebook pages reach out to them and let them know that you heard about them on seat time if you do order anything through um Ride PG. Make sure you use the discount code seat time to save yourself some money uh, while you're doing that. You can use that on the phone or while you are ordering online, which is fantastic. Um, of course, with Fly Racing, they uh, are such a big supporter of seat time and, and creating good times and having a pint full of awesome that they have their pint full of awesome award. So one of the products that I wanted to talk about for fly racing and that they did decide to give away for this event is the stingray ready to ride, which is a hydration pack kit. So this comes with the ultimate storage and hydration pack. It comes assembled with their stingray front roost guard in a ready to ride kit. Uh, they have multiple internal organizations and separate pockets, uh, easy adjust ratcheting closure system, uh, it's built to last, and it's comfortable with today's popular brand neck braces. And I know that's actually a big deal. I have not found a neck brace that I feel comfortable with 
wearing yet. Um, I knew I still want to try the Atlas neck brace. I uh, haven't had a chance to try that yet. Um, but that is a big deal to be able to make sure that you're not just getting hydration, but that you're getting to be able to put that on there. So go to flyracing.com and find their hydration packs and look at the Stingray uh, Ready to Ride pack. That's what we're going to be giving away to our Pintful of Awesome award winner this week. I do have to say we had a lot of cool submissions. Um, my honorable mentions for this week are going to be Moto Mama 512. Um, your little man that you take pictures of is awesome. Um, I wanted to say keep up the good work on raising such a cool dude. Um, and I know that as soon uh, he's going to be He's definitely going to have a picture soon that is going to be the winner. And uh, I look forward to you guys keep on tagging us. Um, another running up, Phil Meckham85. You're right, jumping three cow skulls is pretty damn cool. Uh, this is a pretty cool picture. He's like, it doesn't get much better than jumping three cow skulls. And he's, you know, set up a little ramp, jumping his dirt bikes. And he's got these three big cow skulls set up. So I like those. I appreciate that. Everybody else that was tagging and posting, thank you, thank you very much. Um, I did I did notice that we were having a lot of Instagram submissions, which makes sense. That's you know, Twitter kind of started the hashtag thing, but then it just blew up on Instagram, and it's all over the place now. You find it on Google Plus and Facebook as well. Um, when we first started doing this, we had a couple cool submissions of people emailing and, and submitting videos that they had uploaded specifically for this award. And uh, again, our winner comes from one of those submissions, and it is Mr. Mark Cock. Cook. Cook Cock. It's Mr. Mark Cook Cock uh, for uh, this week's Pintful of Awesome Award. Um, this video that he submitted is from the Concho National Enduro. And uh, I say that I could say a lot about it, but I do believe, Stephen, you have that clip ready to go. All right, well, here's the clip. This is what he submitted. So thank you, Mr. Mark Cook. So, one of the things that I took away from this is, one, he crashed, and it looked like it sucked. That was at the Concho National Enduro, and uh, it was it looked like it was going pretty slow. But I can tell you, those rocks, for whatever reason, are extremely, extremely uh, sketchy. They will fall out from underneath you. You will dive, and you will tuck just like he did. Um, it was awesome that, one, I noticed he was wearing the Fly Racing 907 gloves that I gave him. Uh, the 2013 ones, because of the fact that it was chilly and my hands were cold and I would wish that I had remembered to bring mine because I'd have had mine on. Um, and also the fact that he lost his handguard cover and then went and stopped and picked it up and bam, you know, he's going to keep going and stuff like that. So it was uh, pretty, pretty funny. So we appreciate you submitting your uh, Pineful of Awesome award nominations and submissions. Everyone out there, keep it going. Keep having fun out there and keep tagging everything. It sounds like we have Trevor on. Trevor, are you watching and on the show at the same time? Yeah, I'm on here. All right, man. Well, good, because I used to be able to hear myself, and now I can't, so that's what I'm talking about. So, dude, what the heck? We're like, hey, be on at 8, and you're like, nah, those guys are stupid, whatever. 
<laughs> no, I, I uh, we was out mountain biking, so we got over here a little late, and uh, my text didn't come in. So. Mm-hmm. Anytime, anytime, Stuart Baylor is taking up one of my guests. They never make it on time. Yeah, he's known for that. Ever. Sure, you're as bad as me. Ever. <laughs> so, so. All right, well, dude, let's just say it. Congratulations on your XC2 win this past weekend. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about you at the end of 2013 because of you winning the four-stroke lights class, the four-stroke lights A class. Um, and then you've had a great, you know, XC2 so far in 2014 with a fourth, a third, and now a first. Um, so it's been an interesting year already. We've had a lot of mud. Um, and I can't say this past weekend we had as much mud as Georgia, but I figure since you've been there, you've been the one racing the races, I would let you tell us about your experiences at those events. Um, Florida, you know, uh, there was a lot of talk about how it was going to be a mud fest, and uh, honestly, once we got racing, it, uh, it wasn't that bad. There was just about two bad mud holes, and the rest of the track was pretty good, so... The only true mud race we've had is Georgia, and that was a swamp, as everybody could see. And uh, Seal Creek, uh, everybody thought it'd be a swamp, but the parking lot was really the worst thing. The track shaped up nice. So, yeah, by the uh, being able to watch the uh, the webcast um, this past weekend, the bits that I was able to catch while I was you know working on the closet that I have been working on for months at this point, it feels like. Um, <laughs> It really did look like it. It turned into a pretty good conditions. Now you know we we don't get in the nitty gritty sometimes with the webcast, and I'm fine with that. I'm so happy with what they're doing and, and, and putting that information out there for us to be able to consume and get more racing out. You know uh, during the weekend, but it looked like you guys actually had some really good conditions. It might have been kind of slick, but it looked like that brownie kind of that dirt was really starting to come together. Yeah, it it rutted up nice and a uh, pretty good day. Huh? That's what I like, serenity conditions. So. Yeah, and you actually slept in your own bed Saturday night, right? I mean, you were super close to home. No, I didn't sleep in my own bed, but I could have if I wanted to. You could have if you wanted to. How far away were you from the track? Um, It's about 10, 15 minutes. 10, 15 minutes? Damn. So is this – where did you grow up riding? I mean, did you grow up riding at Steel Creek? No, that that's just a one time year to deal. Uh, okay. Nobody rides there other at, throughout the year. So. But what about? Do you have? I guess like the Baylor's. Do you have land that you kind of ride on that you've been? Uh, my uncle owns a track. It's called Silver Creek and Max. So okay. we've had that in the family since my grandpa owned it way back in the day. So I've rode there. All right, man. That's pretty wicked. Well, um, what was the biggest thing about changing from last year? you know, racing in the four-stroke lights A-class to really kind of coming into the XC2 class, the pro lights class, you know, competing against guys um, on a national caliber scale. Yeah, I, uh, last year, the last race I rode XC2, and uh, the biggest thing is just the intensity, you know, especially on the first few laps, you got 15 guys that, that are fast or faster than you, and they're going 110%, so you got to get used to that, you know, like in the A class, I could get dead last start and be leading the first lap, no problem, and never see nobody else the whole race, so right. that's the big thing. So for, um, I want to say, man, unfortunately I'm a vet rider now, but for a vet A rider like myself who, you know, finishes maybe 
if I'm lucky in the top five here locally. I'm going to be coming out to Big Buck, and I'm going to be involved in my first GNCC race ever. I'll be racing in the morning class. I don't have the balls or the gumption to get out there for three hours for my first GNCC. Um, but so in the morning class, do you think I should do Sportsman A or Sportsman B? Um, Sportsman A. Yeah? Are you just saying that because you want to see me cry? No, you mean. Stu said grow up there. That's funny. Everybody keeps telling me to grow a pair, and I keep thinking I just need to cut them off and say, fuck it, I don't want any more kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you grow a pair, kids. I just want to make sure everybody understands how science <laughs> makes sure to find find the flaw in everybody's, uh, in everybody's program as they uh, grow a pair. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I, I'm looking forward to Big Book. I think it's going to be cool, but I, we can talk about that a little bit later. So Florida, fourth place. Um, as you said, maybe there were two really big mud holes. It wasn't really that bad of a mud race. Um, so do you think for Florida that you performed the way that you expected to at the first race for 2014? Um, actually, I, I uh, performed a little bit better than I expected. I uh, broke my wrist right before the 1st of January, so I had about three weeks of riding before Florida. So I wasn't expecting too much just to get a good top 10, score some points. and then. Uh, but it, my wrist gave out about halfway through the race, so I just put on survival mode and brought her in. So it, it, being that Stuart Baylor is in the background, um, do you think that you hurt your wrist because you've been hanging out with him for too much? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think yeah, that's true. We were on the same training ridge. <laughs> we were on the same training ridge when he says. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, there's a lot of things I could talk about, but that's definitely one of the other shows that we run where we get a little bit more dirty, uh, Joe dirty, if you will. Um, so, okay, so you performed a little bit better than you expected. Now you got third going into Georgia, which you said was really the the the, the main mud run. Um, maybe maybe what they're just saying is that uh, the way it looks, there's just been mud at all of the GNCCs so far. Yeah. Um, but so, what about Georgia? Third place, get on the podium. Uh, you know, you're getting a little bit of podium money. You're getting a little bit more like people are like, hey, what the hell? Let's check this guy out. He's doing mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, how was, how was all that for you at Georgia? Actually, I expected to be on the podium at uh, Georgia because they shortened the race to two hours, and I knew my race would uh, last last there. So I expected to be on the podium there, and uh, it was good. All right. So then – you said, oh, uh, you know, two hours, I can make that. Wrist isn't going to give out of me. We got first place this past weekend at Steel Creek. Um, so was the wrist not an option? Do you think that you – what was what really attributed to you uh, having such a, a great performance? Um, the wrist actually felt great this weekend. It was a little sore after, but uh, I really didn't expect expect to have such a dominant performance at uh, Steel Creek. Um you know, I uh, got a decent start and uh, six going in the woods and uh, passed those guys pretty quick, come through the first lap bleeding and led every lap after that. So it was it was a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, I bet, man. I can tell you I've never won an XC2 lights race <laughs> ever. I don't, I don't think I would line up at one. I would line up at one with my video camera as a videographer <laughs> You know, videoing people racing in the XC2 lights class. I think it would be absolutely insane to go out there and try to quote unquote race for three hours. For me, it would be Mm -hmm. like, I would literally be like popping blisters when that third hour starts and like 
grabbing some chamois cream and throwing it between my legs to try to get the the rubbing to to, to be a little more tolerable. I think it would be uh, pretty intense. But um, so we're going forward to Big Buck. Um, how do you keep the momentum up? Do you just say, "Wow, cool," I'll just do whatever I did again, or is there more to it than that? Or do you just take the Stuart Baylor approach and pop a five-hour energy and say, "What up"? Um, just uh, I just need to be on the podium, you know, just uh, to be in the title hunt. So I'm not I'm not expecting to win, but I know I need to be on the podium every race. So just yeah. keep doing what I'm doing and can only get better from here as far as my body and my wrist goes. So. Yeah, especially if you keep hanging out with Stewart. <laughs> yeah. That, guy, that guy's going to get you in all kinds of shape. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, Ricky Russell and Grant Baylor. I wanted to know, you know, those those guys, uh, Ricky Russell was in the XE1 class last year. Um, he d- he's done really well at some, at other other events throughout the nation. Uh, including like Big Sky, Grant Baylor's done well there. Um, Grant Baylor's done really well with some of the national enduros. Uh, you know, XC2 title last year for him. What was it that really kept you in front of those guys? And, and how do you think the way that they're riding that you could try to to I guess get in front of them and stay in front of them um, throughout a three-hour race? Yeah, I mean. Uh... Those guys, both of them are phenomenal riders. Uh, the thing that sets apart Steel Creek is, I mean, it's my home track, so, you know, and it, the conditions were exactly to my style, you know, I love the ruts, so, and uh, to set us apart, I, uh, I don't know, it's, it's going to be tough, but I'm ready for the challenge, and uh, hopefully we can get back in front of them more races to come, so. All right. And then here's a question I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, I talked to Grant and asked him, you know, hey, I, you know, everything says you were riding a 450 at the National Enduro, at, at the Concho National Enduro. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was riding one. I was like, okay, cool. Why? And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting ready for XC1 next year. And I'm like, holy shit. I was like, this dude's already, I was like, so last year, XC2 champion. This year, defending his title, trying to see if he could get you know get two in a row, and he's riding that that 450 already to try to think about what he's going to do when he goes to XC1 next year for 2015. I mean, do you think that far ahead? Like, give me, do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Is that just like batshit crazy to you? Um, I could understand it for him, but uh, the way I ride is uh, I I probably never ride a 450 until I'm retired and hang the boots up so right and, and and then in that case i'm assuming that you're a two-stroke rider no i'm i ride a 250f 250f yeah you just you just don't you don't think you could get on that on the the bigger bore i uh i'm so aggressive it gets me in trouble sometimes so yeah. when i'm up i'll hopefully be either a board out 250 or 350 so right and if you you say board out 250 would you is there a specific kit and cc that you have in mind that you've you know run in the past and enjoyed uh i actually rode a 300 my 250 was bored out to a 300 in my uh a lots year so i like that bike uh, but actually the bike i have this year it's not bored out or nothing but i like it a whole lot better than my 300 so huh and uh definitely ignorance on my part are you on a ktm right now or what uh what bike are you no, on? I'm on honda honda 
Okay, yeah, as I said, excuse the ignorance. Um, so Honda 250, what kind of uh, – do you have any deals with anybody? What's your, your program looking like? Um, yeah, you know, i got a few guys helping me out. Uh, Fly, uh, U-Suite, my suspension guy, and HVD graphics. But as far as bikes, you know, I bought one bike this year, and I'm running the bikes I ran last year for practice. So we're on a shoestring budget as far as getting to the races and everything. So Right. Well, if you got to hang out with Stuart Baylor all the time, then you're on a shoestring budget. If you can't, yeah. af- if you can't afford better friends. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that, that I, one, definitely want to say thank you very much for what you did for us today. It was cool of you to send us that video of Rory. Um, it was neat to be able to see you guys there um, at the hospital, you know, and, and checking in on him and stuff like that. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit about, you know, that experience, how he looked, you know, kind of just how, how the overall feel of the room was and stuff like that? Yeah, actually, uh, the feel of the room was a whole lot lighter than I expected, you know. I know if I was in his shoes and uh, was pretty much paralyzed as of right now, I, I'd be a whole lot more down. And uh, But Rory was a... Uh, very cracking jokes and stuff and you know so that was good uh and he had some feeling in his foot last night i think so they're they're looking like he can have a full recovery so that's good yeah that's very badass um now you might be able to pick up on this a little bit more than i do we had a friend that you know had had kind of a similar accident well had an accident where he had a neck injury similar i don't know if they're similar at all the way that they fell or not um but um at first, he was paralyzed as well from the waist down, and the doctors wound up telling him that, that luckily, as he started to recover, that he was starting to get feeling back, that a lot of that uh, paralysis comes from the swelling of, like, the spinal cord, and it, yeah. you know, swelling around all your nerves. Um, do, you, do Is there any expectation that that is maybe why he's paralyzed from the waist down right now, or is there uh, more damage that they're, that they're thinking it could be? The cause well at first uh i think is uh see C- uh, five was it four or five five and six, five and six, six. they broke and they were worried about it cutting the spinal cord in two which if that happens he's de- definitely paralyzed but after the mri uh they they found out that the spinal cord was still intact and uh you know the swelling might be might be a part of why he can't feel from his chest down right Oh, so it's from his chest down. Yeah, he can move his arms and stuff, so that's right. good. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely the videos that you guys sent were cool. You know, you showing him doing all the upper body movements and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if it's uh, if it's if it's waist down or uh, from the chest down, right now, it's it's probably no no better if he can move his wrists, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that that's what uh, Stewart was asking him when uh, when he did the throttle. Yeah, that's, like, that's he exactly probably cool. can't do that, Stewart. <laughs> yeah, His hand might be able to, but other parts might not be able to yet. <laughs> but uh, if if anything, I remember in Breaking Bad when uh, when his brother-in-law uh, was paralyzed and his wife was able to to jerk him off and get him hard. So you know, maybe maybe Stewart could go in there and work out his wrist on yeah. Rory and see see what kind of <laughs> magic he could have cause. Yeah, Stu's wrist needs a little, a little working out. So yeah, maybe, it's like yeah. maybe maybe that's a good warm up before the races, so Stewart doesn't have to wear all those braces. <laughs> I have to tell him. <laughs> um, 
what got you into dirt bike racing? Is this something that your dad, you know, it sounded like your grandfather owned a motocross track, so it sounds like there's this is kind of in the blood, but what got you into riding and then, then going into the GNCCs to race? I rode uh, when I was little, and I never really took it serious, and uh, I started riding, taking it serious when I was about 12, and uh, did my first series in GNCC when I was 14, and then uh, won the C class in uh, 2010 around the B class and got second in it. 11 and 12, I had uh, four knee surgeries, so that put me behind a little bit. But 13 was when I'd pretty much quit, actually, in 13. I was just going to run the local series, and I run Steel Creek and won. So I, so I was like, I'll run Big Buck, and then I won it. So we did, ended up doing the whole series. So. <laughs> You're like, crap, I'm going to have to start washing cars or doing something. <laughs> Yeah, some no. extra money. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah. So, four knee surgeries in 11 and 12. What the heck is four? What do you, what's four knee surgeries in two years? I, uh, at Georgia in 2011, I, I tore my ACL and meniscus, and then I got back on the bike a little too early, I think, and uh, raced snowshoe, and I think about a month after snowshoe, I fell in the field, tore my ACL again. Had to have an ACL meniscus surgery again, and then, uh, and I've had two separate meniscus surgeries after that. So, man, you know, uh, I actually talking about injuries and being badasses. I went to the doctor yesterday. I had a couple falls at Concho. Ow, I don't even need to talk about the race. Period. If I ride, I have a couple falls. It's just kind of the way it goes. If I race, it gets worse. But uh, but I had a couple falls at Concho. I was on Stewart's Road too. I got to see him fall in front of me. Did he tell you that? Yeah, that's what he just asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could talk about that all night long. Uh, no, we won't. Uh, but I was like, oh, yeah, you know, my knees always hurt. It's just, you know, I've been riding since I was 5, 34 right now. It's like, whatever, you know, okay, cool. So I go the whole week, and I'm kind of stretching and trying, and, and everything's moving, things feeling good, but it's like internally I'm just like, man, shit just feels tight. It feels wrong. So I go I, I do a boot camp just to try to see how it feels and I push myself about 60-70%. So not hard, but just enough to, you know, get up a good sweat. And I'm like, yeah, okay, it's not great. So I go to the doctor yesterday and I was like, all right. Blah 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 blah. blah. This was wrong with my knee. He starts doing all the feeling and stuff. He's like, all right. Well, you sprained your ACL and your PCL. And I was like, so I'm okay. He's like, well, you're not okay right now, but you'll be okay in a couple weeks. And I'm just even though I'm not a professional, I'm like, dude, I've got a race in two weeks in South Carolina, and I it's gonna be my first like national race. Like this is exciting for me. I want to go. And he's like, oh okay, we'll just do these exercise. You know, do this, do this, do this. And he's like, honestly, you should be fine. But you know, call me before you go if anything feels wrong and stuff. So you know, that's yeah. that's the the wee bit of knee pain. You know that uh, somebody as slow as me's had. Yeah, I mean, I've broke six my wrist six times and. Uh... And my ankles, and I can take all that at once over a knee. You know, knee's probably the worst pain I've ever felt, especially after surgery. Yeah. Um, I just thought of this, and if you don't know, that's fine. Uh, we don't need to. Definitely not something to speculate on. But you know, in the press release and everything else that we've seen, Corey Re- or Rory Mead, they mentioned it was a, a one-man accident, and that he didn't really have, he didn't no collisions or anything on that stuff like that. Did, did he explain maybe what happened, like how he, how he wrecked? He said he uh, he was it was around the eight mile marker and he was coming down a hill and there were some ruts and 
he got a little off balance, and when that happened, he just leaned into the tree, and the first thing I hit was his head. So. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Steven, our producer, is behind the, behind the computer, immediately kind of does the neck cracking move, and uh, and I'm like, yeah, you got that right. That is, yeah, that's never yeah. fun. Never fun. I've had, uh, I've had one really bad concussion from clipping a tree branch, just coming around a turn, probably going as fast as Stewart typically does, you know. I, w- I would assume just. I think he hit his, He. I think he knocked himself out this weekend in the turn and hit the tree branch like that. Yes. <laughs> See? See, I can do it too. I don't need to be just as fast. But yeah, yeah. man, it was like yeah, right. you're already kind of focused and looking on the next turn right when you crest the tree that you're turning around. And I just didn't notice the branch coming out and it just clocked the ever living crap out of me, ripped me off the bike. And uh, as I'm laying there, it was like. You just like don't know what happened because it hits you so hard, and then all of a sudden the stars finally come in, yeah. and you're kind of like, "Oh my gosh! Like, what in the heck?" <laughs> it's intense. Was Rory wearing a neck brace? No, know? he was not. No, he was not. Was there any? Was there any talk to that? Like, did anybody? Say, I mean, now I don't. I don't have a side on that fence, so yeah. I, I'm not making speculation at all. But was there? Was there any talk to that? Well, Stuart Bader's a neck, die-hard neck brace believer, and he thinks if he'd had it on, that it wouldn't have happened. So, but I mean, it only seems right that if you have a neck brace on, it wouldn't happen. So, I'd have to say the same thing. Right. Yep. It's it's so tough, and I've heard both sides to that to, to the story. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's it's interesting. But yeah, it would. The good thing is, is he's obviously much healthier than not alive, which is you know, fantastic. Um, yeah. and it looks like there's a possibility for a damn good recovery. So that's going to be even more fantastic once all that goes down. And then Stuart Baylor can jerk him off all he wants. <laughs> right. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> once, uh, once, once Grant Baylor gets faster than Stuart Baylor and he doesn't need to ride anymore, he can, uh, <laughs> he can just pick up, pick up a job giving handies. He said he'd hang it up when Grant beats him every weekend anyways. So. That's not true at all. Cause you know what's gonna happen is he's gonna work harder. He's gonna, dude. It's gonna be awesome, awesome. The first time Grant beats uh, Stu at a GNCC. Georgia. No, no, no. At a GNCC, like, oh, he did beat you at Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Georgia, he spanked me. He he's did. getting all red faced over here. You better stop. <laughs> he's about to take his pants off. It's gonna get weird. One arm push up real quick. I don't want to do push ups. You shut up. Um, but I mean, like you guys battle, battle. That's what I mean. Like when that happens, that's gonna be epic. Ooh, I'll crash Ooh. I'm hey. excited. Stu said he'd crash him. Nice, brotherly love. If you don't have that, you don't got nothing, right? All right, so we got uh, coming up this weekend. I'm excited because we have round three of the National Enduro Series. Um, that's closer to you guys where you're at. I'd imagine the Baylors are gonna be going. Are you gonna be heading out there to Tennessee? He's been uh, nagging me all week about it. So uh, can I nag you a little bit more? You should go. <laughs> you should ride the pro class and the GNCC too. Me? Heck no. Yeah. Yeah, you. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're an idiot. You're just saying that because you want to roost the shit out of me and then laugh every time you lap me. Hey, you can do a. You get your rider intro. You can do a loop out. Get back on your bike and ghost ride it. And then just hang it up for the day. And walk off. <laughs> yeah, and go pick it up. No, I don't want to do that. I'm doing the KR4 oh. 
Adv- arriving rides. I'm going to have a nice prep 300. I don't want to do that. If you ride Sportsman's A, then Trevor has to do the Enduro this weekend. I'll do Sportsman A if he does the Enduro this weekend. Trevor, you're doing the Enduro. Oh, gosh. I've talked myself into worse things than that. So, all right. So, the Rad Dad Enduro, you're going to be riding. I I say that you can ride. If you ride, when you ride the Enduro this weekend, though, I'm okay in you signing up in the AA expert class. Oh, yeah. If I run the Enduro, definitely. No, no, no. No, no. When when you ride the Enduro, (laughs) we've already decided that you're going. So Mike Mike Brown is going to be there racing this weekend too. In the enduro? Yeah. How do you think he's going to do? I mean, he does good at everything. So that's very true. That's very true. The one thing, even though he's done really good at the ISDEs, the ISDEs don't have super tight single track, and in Tennessee, I would imagine there are going to be quite a few tight um, piney wood sections, and so I I wonder. Not, not, not that I think Mike Brown has an Achilles heel, but I wonder if this is like the one type of single track racing that he might not be great at is when it gets super tight. Uh, but well, then he's again, from, he's from Tennessee, so yeah. who knows? That's what I was about to say, so yep. I, don't know, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I know. You're going to be there talking to him and asking all kinds <laughs> of questions for us. Um uh. One thing, too, this will be interesting, and maybe Baylor uh, could have some input on this, too, is they say the first three miles of the Enduro are actually going to be transfer section. They're not going to have the race start right at uh, mile zero, um, which, you know, is more typical, you know, back from uh, more uh, more timekeeper-type days. Um, it seems that, and myself included, and a lot of other riders, we go warm up beforehand anyway. So if the race starts at row zero or if the race starts at mile one, mile three, I don't know, you know, I guess it's better for others. Um, you know, the, the, the more weakened warrior guys that, that don't that don't typically go stretch and warm up and, and as Stewart does run his bike to the starting line. Yeah, I, I think that uh three mile warm up would be good. I wish we had that in G N C C I bet you do, but you don't. I know. Sucker. Alright, well cool man. Well what what other stuff? We're we're starting to wrap it up here. Our time's coming to an end this evening. Um, but we and we appreciate your time. What else you got for us? Anything fun? Anything uh, random? No, not too much random. There is a uh, Rory Meads. Uh, you know, as hospitals are so expensive, he's having a uh, little fundraiser thing. It's on GoFundMe.com. Yeah, let's find that and put that in the chat room. Yeah. GoFundMe, Rory Mead. Help Rory Mead by Levi Kilbarger. All right, we're going to put that in the chat room. And those of you in the chat room, if uh, you haven't shared it on Facebook already, um, go ahead and do that. And make sure if you can donate 5 bucks, 10 bucks, do that. Um, we definitely here at Seed Time are going to uh, contribute some money. Uh, we have not yet, but we will. And we're going to make sure that uh gets as much support as we can offer. We don't have a lot, but we, <laughs> we can give a little. We can, we can make it work. Um, all right, so cool. We've got GoFundMe there. We're going to talk about it. We're going to put it in the show notes, too, uh, for those of you watching it and listening. Um, well, Trevor, good job this past weekend. Um, good luck, and I hope you win the AA Expert class this weekend at the Rad Dad Enduro. Um, and I look forward to meeting you in person at Big Buck. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah? You want to hang out? You want to high-five? Yeah, we'll do all that. Ooh, yes. It'll be so much fun. Um <laughs> 
And uh, for those of you who are going to be at the Big Buck, we are going to be there. And uh, on Instagram, we kind of put up that seat time quickie video today. We're going to try to do a lot of those. Um, just to get some fun, quick information from a lot of different riders, mechanics, um, and other organizers of the events and see how that goes. So it'll be a lot of fun. Well, Trevor, uh, and your, your, I guess your over-the-shoulder guests, Mr. Baylor, uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful evening hanging out together uh, in whatever state you're in. And uh, be safe. Don't do anything crazy, okay? All right, sounds good. All right. Bye. Yeah. Great. What's that? What's that? <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much for being on the show, and we will talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Later. All right. So, obviously, big thanks to those guys for coming on the show. Uh, Trevor Bollinger doing a great job. Had you know tremendous 2013. Um, and it looks like so far he's having a great 2014. Sounds like he's had some injuries in the past. Um, I can only say that I hope that those don't uh, come back to, you know, to haunt him for 2014 because I'd like to see him continue to challenge uh, guys like Ricky Russell and guys like Grant Baylor and some of the other awesome dudes out there in the XC2 class. Um, in the chat room, uh, asking, what do I think of the Santa Cruz Bronson? Well, today Santa Cruz released, uh, or they sent out the press release for the Santa Cruz Nomad. Now that is a sexy beast. If you want to talk about awesome bikes, um, it's kind of their um, their enduro specific. Um, they went from you know 160 millimeters of travel to 165 millimeters of travel. They slackened the head angle. They steepened the seat tube angle, um, so it's going to pedal better uphill it's going to descend better downhill um and it's got 27.5 wheels quite 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 the awesome package the bronson i really like um, because of the fact that it has a, a little bit smaller um travel uh right now for me i live in texas i have a four inch travel specialized epic love that bike i've loved the epic since it came out i've liked all the changes they've made to it um it the only thing is is that i got it after i got rid of my uh, my Turner 5 Spot, best bike I've ever owned. Um, I loved that Turner 5 Spot. And I want to go back to that kind of 5-inch travel, 69 to 68-degree head angle um, bike. Um, and so I've decided for a while, I was like, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I was going to go with Santa Cruz. They have uh, not the VPP, but they have a, a cheaper option um, that I was going to go with. But... I just found out that uh, KTM bicycles are going to be available in the States this year um, through Imperium Cycles. And so I've been talking with Chris Douglas um, and a soon-to-be local KTM dealer uh, will be carrying KTM bicycles. So I am going to go ahead and pick up their uh, the, the Lycan, the 2014 Lycan, which is a 27.5 5-inch uh, travel bike. I'm super excited to get that. I've got a lot of um, parts that I'm going to put on it because I'm going to start doing reviews for said soon-to-be uh, KTM bicycle dealer here in town. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, you don't see the updated Nomad. Um, well, let me find you the link and send it to you because it is sexy. It is sexy. What about you? You getting a bicycle uh, over there, Stephen? You getting a bicycle? Probably not. Not get a bicycle. Not two, get a bicycle. Two wheels are not my friend. Two wheels are not your friend. Uh, so yes, uh, I, I'm really excited. Uh, I everybody knows that I've kind of got like a mountain biking bug. Like I've, I've 
I've been doing that since I was, you know, 12 years old as well. And I got, I've had a chance to travel a little doing some national downhills and dual slalom racing and a couple cross countries and stuff like that with college. And then just after tons of fun, I really miss that kind of stuff. I get a little bit of that with dirt biking. And for me, they're not one and the same they're, they're They have their own little, you know, nuances that I really enjoy. And I really, uh, I really look forward to having a chance to kind of delve back in to that side of, of my two wheeled habit for sure. Um, as I was saying, we've got coming up uh, the National Enduro. So we've got the Rad Dad Enduro that's coming up weekend in West Point, Tennessee. Mike Brown is going to be racing there. I think that's super cool. Um, I'm excited to see about the first three miles. Yes, I can go warm up just like anybody else beforehand. But I think the first three miles for everybody to warm up is great. Um, there are a lot of weekend warriors out there, dads with their kids, family guys out there, family moms riding around. And I think that first three miles is, is nice. I think that it's going to make a much more enjoyable uh, experience for everybody out there. And I kind of hope that it starts to make it to all the national enduros and becomes more common. Uh, Weeby Racing starts up. Um, I mentioned this because I want to make it out to one of these races. I've heard really good things about the promoters that put these races on. We've talked to a couple of their racers on the shows. Um, and uh, yeah, so if you're in the New Mexico area, Definitely check out Weeby Racing. Uh, sounds like they have an enduro on Saturday and then a hair scramble on Sunday. So I, I'm excited for that. Um, let me see what else. So what have we done? We've had episode 122. I am Brian Pierced. I am your host. This has been Seat Time. Uh, a little bit shorter. That's okay. It makes uh, time. It, it's good because Steven can go home to his family and I can make sure my wife has not gone insane, pulled her hair out, or her boobs got bigger. Because if they got bigger, I'd freak out. In a good way, but I'd still freak out. It would be like, oh my God, they're huge again. Ah. So, Seat Time. Obviously, we have our website. You can find us there at seattime.co. Um, we archive all the sites there. You can uh, find all the information about what the going-ons. And uh, you may notice that I uh, it's responsive now. So, if you visit it on your phone, um, there's no more scrolling. There's no more moving around. It fits just like it should. If you have any issues with that kind of stuff on the site, please reach out to us. That is what I do for a living, and yes, <laughs> I would like to make it perfect for everybody, if at all possible, so please reach out to us on that. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash seattime. You can reach out to us there, and uh, you can like us. Uh, we're on Twitter, twitter.com slash seattime underscore CEO. Definitely tweet us real hard. Um, you can do that at seattime underscore CEO or use the hashtag seattimelive or pintful of awesome so you could be submitted into the pintful of awesome award brought to you by Fly Racing. And some of our fantastic sponsors, of course, oh, we're on Instagram. So Instagram is just seat time. One word, S-E-A-T-T-I-M-E. Uh, fine sponsors. Uh, of course, seat time has been brought to you by Fly Racing, our good friends over at Ride PG and Fast and uh, Stillwell Performance. So we didn't get a chance to talk too much about Ride, Ride PG and Stillwell Performance. Ride PG, obviously a great place to go if you're looking for graphics for your motorcycle, you're looking to make stickers. Like all of our seat time stickers come from Ride PG. So there's... If you like the consistency, how hard they are, how awesome they are, you can go get those same stickers from Ride PG. We get all of our graphics for our motorcycles, uh, soon to be for our UTVs, for through Ride PG, all that kinds of fun stuff. So please go check them out. Use the discount code C time, save yourself some money, and high five Jared Bolt on for being a ginger, because God knows he needs extra love in this world. Everybody hates that man way too much. Um, and still well performance. Those guys have done some amazing things for. Uh, for suspension in the off-road world, especially in Endurocross. I don't know if you guys have noticed how well Cody Webb has been doing, um, especially this past year at the TKO. 
Um, I think he's going to have something. If You know, he had that unfortunate injury last year, so with that, he wasn't able to completely compete with Taddy at all the levels they needed to to get the win last year in Enduro Cross. Um, so I'm hoping that this year he can stay healthy and get that, maybe get a, a repeat at the TKO. Uh, they're doing great things with suspension over there, so go check out Stillwell Performance at stillwellperformance.com. They can cover all your dampening duties for off-road racers. They do have Cody Webb, Corey Grafunder, Kyle Redmond, and Luis Forgley, just to name a few. Um, you can call them at the shop, ask them if they can make your off-road experience that much better. Definitely tell them that we sent you because that is how you get the Seat Time Bro Deal. Um, they will hook you up with a discount if you tell them that Seat Time sent you and you read, heard, or listened to them about uh, on the show. And we definitely appreciate them for their support of Seat Time. Please go check all of them out and say, what up? Again, paraphernalia is at seattime.bigcartel.com. We will be live again next Tuesday. It will be after the Enduro, after the Webby Racing. We've got all kinds of stuff going on out west. It's going to be a good episode. Hopefully we can get some more uh, some more roundtable guests on. I've heard discussions as well in the future of an all-women's episode. We're going to uh, have Jordan Bailey help us. Um, pick a few ladies to really have on the show and to chat with them and to break down what it's like for them and how it is for uh, for a woman to race in a man's sport or a man's man-dominated sport, if you will. Um, so that'll be fun, too. So we appreciate everybody who pays attention, watches the show. Go find us on YouTube. Go find us on Stitcher. Go find us on iTunes. Subscribe, 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 subscribe. Listen to us every week. Tune in live. Every night, Tuesday, 8 p.m. Or every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Because if it was every night, that would suck. I'm not going to lie. That would be insane. We don't get paid enough for that. (laughs) All right. I'm Brian Pierce. I'm your host. We'll see you next week. Peace.